kicking little something for them cars that be bumping. Yeah, right, but you need to be the nigga front to on that one. Be funky. You know what I'm saying? Hello, greetings and hi. This is the Head Speaks Podcast, a proud member of the Headcast Network. I am your host, Aaron Moss, also known as Head. Welcome to Head Speaks, where I'll be talking about comics, movies, and basically anything geeky. Well, without further preamble, let's get the show started. 12 o'clock at night with your windows down. Headlights breaking because you're out of your dream. Armor roll on your tires and a big And welcome back to the 23rd fantastic episode of Head Speaks. As usual, I am your your host, Aaron Brotherhead Moss. And I'll be your guide on this episode. So enough preamble, let's get on to the show. Let me present to you... Yo, Joe! We'll fight for freedom wherever there's trouble. G.I. Joe is there. G.I. Joe is American hero. And the masters of the universe. Whatever the challenge, they are ready. The Centurions are the visionaries. I am Dungeon Master, your guide in the realm of Dungeons and Dragons. And now, Geekin' with Head. Now I know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! And here it is, finally done. The fourth installment, the final installment of my wonderful little mini-series I've got going on. My musical interlude, as I've been calling it. The last four shows I'm going to talk about uh, until something else comes up. But these are the last four shows I want to talk about in my new little musical interlude I've been having. Uh, so, these are the top four. So here goes number four on the countdown. Dr. David Banner, physician, scientist, searching for a way to tap into the hidden strengths that all humans have. Then an accidental overdose of gamma radiation interacts with his unique body chemistry. took the life of a fellow scientist and supposedly David Banner as well. The reporter thinks the creature was responsible. I gave a description to all the law enforcement agencies. They got a warrant for murder out of him. 
a murder which David Banner can never prove he or the creature didn't commit. So he must let the world go on thinking that he too is dead, until he can find a way to control the raging spirit that dwells within him. The Incredible Hulk. This was one of my earliest memories of superheroes, the multimedia. Again, as I said previously, and I'll say it again, I didn't really start becoming the comics geek I am until uh, I was older. But I've always liked superheroes. And the, the Bill Bixby Incredible Hulk TV show is one I have from my memory from my childhood. In fact, I know of this at the time more than I knew of the cartoon Incredible Hulk. It started in 1978. Uh, it starred Bill Bixby as David Banner, Lou Frigno as the Hulk, and Jack Colvin as Jack McGee. Uh, again, like I said, I mean, this was different than the car, the car, uh, uh, the comic book. That's what it's called, kids. This was different than the comic book, but to me, this, this was the Incredible Hulk. I didn't know of, I knew he was a cartoon or a comic book character, but I didn't know anything about him. Uh, so growing up, in, like I said, I was eight when this came out. So for my formal years, this was my Incredible Hulk. In the TV series, uh, David Banner is a widowed physician and scientist who was presumed dead in the pilot episode, traveling across America under assumed names. Uh, in fact, the, his last name always begins with a B, but he keeps his first name the same. Uh, and he finds himself in positions where he has to help others in need in despite of his terrible secret. His secret? Whenever he gets angry or scared or stressed, he transforms into a huge, incredibly strong green creature who has been given the nickname The Hulk. He does odd jobs working anywhere from a janitor to a scientist. Uh, and he's trying to find a search, find, find a cure to cure himself of being The Hulk. As he's doing this, he's being pursued by a uh, tabloid reporter named uh, Jack McGee. He thinks he can break the story of the Hulk, it'll make his career, make him famous. And he knows this David Banner guy, or whatever he's calling himself this week, has the secret to the Hulk. Uh, like I said, the series ran, I'm just checking Wikipedia here because I forget exactly. Actually, the two-hour pilot started November the 4th, 1977, uh, and it ran for five seasons. And at the end of the series, he still wasn't cured. was on a cliffhanger until 1988 when they had uh, three different TV movies. They had The Return of the Incredible Hulk, which guest starred Thor. Uh, Thor was actually played by the guy that's on a TV show my daughter used to watch, Good Luck Charlie. He plays the main character's father. Kind of odd. But anyways, uh, so yeah, there's the Return of the Incredible Hulk. Then there was the Child of the Incredible Hulk, which had a guest star Daredevil. And there was the Death of the Incredible Hulk. And rumors had it there was supposed to be some more later on, starring possibly She-Hulk, possibly an Iron Man character. But with Bill Bixby's uh, subsequent illness and death, that kind of went by the wayside. Uh, but we're here to talk about the Incredible Hulk. TV show from the late 70s. I'm going to briefly talk about the origin of the Hulk in the TV show. And again, I, I remember it because, again, I watched it so much, but I'm going to read off of Wikipedia just to help refresh my memory on it. 
and I'm just going to skim through this. Uh, basically, David Bruce Banner is a physician and scientist employed at Culver Institute who is traumatized by a car accident that kills his beloved wife, Laura. Haunted by his inability to save her, Banner, in partnership with uh, a doctor, Elena Harding-Marks, who also works at the Institute, conducts a study on people who, while in danger, summon superhuman strength in order to save their loved ones. After months of work, the only two significant common factors that they can find between the subjects are extreme emotional commitments and an abnormally high percentage of the adenine-themine combination of DNA, which is an insufficient explanation, since Banner has even higher levels of that in, than any other subjects, yet he was able to summon the strength he needed to save his wife. Working late one night, Banner hypothesizes that it's the high levels of gamma radiation from sunspots that contributes to the subject's increase in strength. He studies the chart of gamma activity and confirms that all the subjects perform their feats during periods of high gamma activity, while his death's wife occurred during a period of low gamma activity. So Banner wants to test his theory, gets a little impatient, and he conducts an unsupervised experiment in the lab, bombarding his own body with gamma radiation. Unbeknownst to Banner, the equipment has been upgraded, causing him to administer accidental self-overdosage of gamma radiation, a dose more than five times as high as that which he had intended to bombard himself. Even though he does this, he displays no immediate increase in strength. Uh, driving home during a heavy rainstorm, uh, he gets a flat tire as he's trying he's changing it. And again, they show this at the beginning of every episode. He's changing his tire. He hurts himself with a tire iron while he tries to change the tire. The stress, the, the anger, the frustration triggers the transformation into the Incredible Hulk, a seven foot tall, 330 pound, green skinned savage creature with super strength and uh, basically a childlike mind. The Hulk destroys Banner's car and wanders off into the woods. As the sun comes up, the Hulk stumbles upon a little girl and her father camping. In the confusion, the Hulk is shot by the little girl's dad and breaks the guy's rifle and throws him into the pond. Hulk leaves the area, transforming back into Dr. Banner with no memory of his time as the Hulk. Uh, wounded and confused, he, visit he visits Dr. Marks. Her amazement at Banner's healing powers and the gunshot wound is replaced by shock and horror when Dr. Banner tells her that he bombarded himself with gamma radiation. Doctors Banner and Marks relocate to a laboratory, isolated from the rest of the Culver Institute, but somewhere still on the grounds. Marks locks them in an experimental pressure chamber designed for deep underwater usage and attempts to simulate the conditions in which created the hole in his memory. When this fellow induces transformation, Banner lies down to sleep. He has a recurring nightmare of his wife's death, which causes him to transform. Hulk breaks out. Terrified but compelled by the scientific fascination, Marks takes a blood sample from the Hulk's wounded hands and guides him to a couch where he calms down and reverts back to Bruce Banner. They conclude that the Hulk has a very high metabolism. Try that again. They conclude that the Hulk has a very high metabolism and healing rate, and the transformation is caused by extreme negative emotions such as anger. Banner realizes and points out, that means it's uncontrollable. If it's never come up in even a consciousness, even when he sleeps, then he has no control over the process and will never remember anything he, the Hulk does or experience. Uh, they try to reverse the process. Meanwhile, reporter Jack McGee of a tabloid called the National Register, who's been probing Banner's research, investigates the camper sighting of the Hulk and it chews on the lab. 
While the scientists plead ignorance, McGee suspects they know something, sneaks back into the lab, hiding in a chemical storage room. Banner catches McGee, and the star reporter knocks over a chemical on a storage shelf. As Banner takes McGee outside, the chemical sets off a fire. Banner rushes back in to save Dr. Marks. Seeing Marks injured in grave danger triggers another transformation into the hole. Hulk carries Dr. Marks away from the inferno into the woods, where she dies from injury sustained in the explosion. McGee witnessed the Hulk carrying her and surmises that the Hulk killed both Banner and Marks. Although the authorities are skeptical of the existence of the creature McGee tells them about, he publishes a front-page headline in the National Register that proclaims, Incredible Hulk kills two. Dr. Banner, now presumed dead, goes into hiding while he tries to find a cure for his condition. And again, this is recapped in the very beginning of every episode. Banner experiments on himself, becomes the Hulk, hunted down by McGee, Banner thought dead, while he searches for a cure for his condition. And that's basically the first episode of The Incredible Hulk. Uh, again, the Hulk ran for, I think it was four seasons. Uh, basically, it started and ended just about every episode with Banner coming into a new town, taking on a new identity, uh, trying to help somebody out in the town. He becomes the Hulk to save the day. And by the end of the episode, he has to leave town. Uh, McGee shows up quite a bit. Hunting for the Hulk, hunting for Banner or whoever it is. Again, I really enjoyed the show. I definitely it's on. You can find it on different channels. It's on uh, sometimes on TV Land, sometimes on MeTV. Uh, just look around. It's also on DVD. I've got a lot of episodes on DVD myself. Like I said, the Hulk's one of the shows I grew up with before I became a comics fan. I was a superhero fan, and the Hulk is one of the shows that, that helped play into that. That fondness and that, uh, that love of the Incredible Hulk in comics. So, anyways, I think that's it for talking about the Incredible Hulk. Let's go ahead and move on to our next, uh, theme song. In the Great Hall of the Justice League, there are assembled the world's four greatest heroes. Created from the cosmic legends of the universe, Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman, Aquaman, and those three junior super friends, Wendy, Marvin, and Wonder Dog. Their mission, to fight injustice, to right that which is wrong, and to serve all mankind. I believe that's the original Super Friends theme. In fact, there was another theme, because there was several different variations of the show. Uh, there was another theme they played a couple seasons later. I'm going to play that one now, and then I'll talk about it some more. Wonder Woman here. Don't miss the legendary Super Friends in exciting, action-packed adventures as we continue the never-ending battle of good versus evil. <laughs> 
Friends, the legendary superpower show. Uh, the Super Friends, that was the superhero cartoon I grew up with. Uh, again, it's in the top three uh, shows. I'll get to the two in just a minute. But the Super Friends, uh, there was a. Again, I'm going from Wikipedia because, again, I can't remember all of them. It looks like there was eight different series that ran over the years. According to Wikipedia, there was nine, nine uh, seasons. Uh, the first season was just Super Friends. It ran from 73 to 74. I believe that's the first intro I played. That was Batman, Superman, Robin, Wonder Woman, and Aquaman. They would later introduce, I guess fairly quickly, they would introduce a, a trio of sidekicks, uh, Wendy and Marvin, and also Wonder Dog. Uh, none of these kids had special powers other than Wonder Dog's ability to reason and talk almost like a human being, uh, much like Scooby-Doo. Uh, they were det- detectives, the kids, and superheroes in training. Uh, again, each episode usually started out with uh, the Trouble Alert, which is a computer in the Hall of Justice, would alert them to a problem somewhere. Uh, the Super Friends would fly off and save the day. I, while I enjoyed the series, uh, I wasn't a big fan of Wendy and Marvin and Wonder Dog. Uh, they're okay, but the next season or series, or whatever you want to call it, that started from 77 to 78. Uh, that was what I preferred better. Uh, that was called the all-new Super Friends Hour. Uh, that is when they got rid of the, uh, the kids, Wendy and Marvin, and they brought in the Wonder Twins with their pet monkey, Gleep. Uh, they get a lot of junk from people, a lot of crap from people, but I, I, I like the Wonder Twins. Uh, there was Zan and Jaina. Uh, they actually had superpowers, when they would touch hands, uh, they could say, Wonder Twin Powers Activate, and Jaina could take on the form of any animal, and Zane could take on any water shape. Water, ice slides, things like that. Uh, and again, I'm looking at Wikipedia. Wikipedia is my friend. Uh, looks like they only produced, according to this, looks like they only produced 15 episodes of that series, or season, however you want to phrase it. Uh, again, in between segments, there were short spots with members of Super Friends giving basic safety lessons, providing first aid, demonstrating magic tricks, and so forth. Then in 78 and 79, there was the Challenge of the Super Friends slash Super Friends show. Apparently, that was two different segments. The first one was Super Friends, which was Superman, Batman, Robin, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, and the Wonder Twins. And then there was a second segment of Challenge of the Super Friends, which is what introduced us to the Legion of Doom, which had 13 reoccurring foes of the Super, Super Friends' worst enemy, and they flew. They were based out of the a flying ship that looked kind of like Darth Vader's helmet. It was called the Hall of Doom. It was along with the regular heroes, they introduced the Flash, Green Lantern, and Hawkman, and they also introduced Apache Chief, Samurai, and Black Vulcan. Just a quick note on Black Vulcan. Best I can tell from anything I've heard, Black Vulcan was uh, DC's way of, or Warner Brothers' way, whoever did this, of including uh, Black Lightning, who was a character created for DC Comics, without having to pay the creator, uh, Tony Isabel, I believe his name is, uh, for the use. So they created Black Vulcan to get around that. Uh, uh, and then, so again, Challenge of the Super Friends was one of the better when it started improving, I think. Uh, they had, like I said, the Legion of Doom. Uh, it was great stories for the most part. From what I remember, again, I haven't seen these in years. 
then in 7980, they had the world's greatest super friends, which was back to the original five heroes plus the Wonder Twins. And again, these were all short seasons. They were like 15, 16 episodes for the most part. And then in 80 to 82, they had the Super Friends, which was basically uh, it was a rerun from one of the previous six years and three new shorts. Again, this was the main core of Heroes, plus Zan, Jaina, and Gleek. Plus, they had appearances from other the heroes that kept appearing in the Challenge of the Super Friends. Uh, apparently, there was 22 episodes produced of this show. After that, from 82 to 83, they had the best of Super Friends, which was reruns. Then in 84 to 85, they had the Superpowers, the legendary Superpower show. This is one of the better ones, in my opinion, uh, mainly because, like I say, it features Superman, Batman, one, uh, Rob, Robin, Wonder Woman, the Wonder Twins. And they also brought out, in my opinion, the greatest hero of all, Firestorm. He showed up in this, where he first showed up in the, the cartoons. And this, they fought Brainiac, Luther, Mr. Mitzelplik. And one of the main villains they fought was Darkseid and his henchmen from Apocalypse. And then the final was 85 through 86. They had what was called the Superpower Teams, Galactic Guardians. Um, this one here was, again, was a conventional lineup. The same team they've had for the last one. Plus, they introduced Cyborg. They were based in the Hall of Justice of Metropolis. They battled familiar foes such as Luther, Brainiac, the Scarecrow, and Darkseid. And according to Wikipedia, it also contained the only appearances of the Joker, Penguin, and the Royal Flesh Gang, and Felix Faust. And that lasted one season before being canceled. The final new episode aired was called The Death of Superman in 1985, November the 6th. And this was the end of Hanna-Barbera's run of Super Friends. Uh, again, I gave you a brief rundown of all the different shows. Again, I, I from I remember, some of these were kind of goofy. But overall, I, I loved the Super Friends growing up. This was my superheroes growing up. So I, I love the Legion of Doom. The Legion of Doom had Bizarro, Black Manta, Brainiac, Cheetah, Captain Cold, Giganta, Gorilla Grodd, Grundy, Riddler, Scarecrow, Sinestro, Toy Man. And they were basically led by Lex Luthor. Like I say, this was my first real introduction to Apocalypse and Darkseid. Because, again, this was before I actually started reading comics on the regular. Uh, but, again, that, that's the Super Friends. A great show. I definitely recommend if you can, check it out. I know you got them on DVD. Uh, I know for a while they were on Netflix. I'm not sure if they still are or not. I definitely recommend uh, checking out the Super Friends. Due to time restraints, we're going to go and end this part right here. Uh, we're going to listen to a couple, more, a couple of promos for some friends of the show. And then we'll be right back uh, to finish off the show for this episode. Again, sorry for such a short episode, but time constraints and family and all that. Sometimes these aren't as long as I'd like. Anyways, uh, so we're going to end here with part four of my musical interlude. Uh, hang on, we'll be right back. Head Speaks will be back after these important messages. friends. It's your old pal, Adam Worth. You may remember me from podcasts like Comic Book Fight Club, The Quantum Cast, and the thousands of other shows I somehow get roped into making guest appearances on. 
The podcasting world has been very good to me, and I feel it's about time that I give back. So coming this spring, I'll be helping to make the world a better place with my new show, The Bad Advice Show. Join me and a few <clears throat> choice panelists as we answer your questions on life, love, relationships, history, life hacks, and politics. Really, whatever topics you feel you would like to get my valued opinion on. So hop on the advice train as we make the world a better place coming this spring to an internet streaming device near you. To have your questions answered on The Bad Advice Show, send us an email at thebadadviceshow at yahoo.com. That's thebadadviceshow at yahoo.com. And remember, kids, if you want to remain anonymous, don't tell me your name. Aw, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, feels good. Feels good. Hello, greetings, and hi there. This is the Head Speaks Podcast. Hey there, true believers. Welcome to the Task Force X Headcast. G.I. Joe, the real American Headcast, is the code name for Aaron's daring, highly trained Headcast. Hello there, my name is Aaron Moss, and this is the Starman Manhunter Adventure Hour. You have to do- Hello, my name is Alexis Mox. This is my show called Alexis Beat. And all of these shows can be found on the Headcast Network. Look for it on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Also on Facebook by looking for the Headcast Networks. All of the great headcasts that you love on one convenient feed. Look for it. The Headcast Network. See you there. And now back to Head Speaks. On the mark, get set. We're riding on the internet. Whore porn. I got a fast connection so I don't have to wait. Whore porn. What? There's always some new site. Whore porn. I browse all day and night. Whore porn. It's like I'm surfing at the speed of light. Whore porn. <laughs> Internet porn, Roman orgy scenes. Internet porn, dominatrix queens. Internet porn, girl on girl on girl on girl on girl on guy on sheep. You're going surfing on the internet. Where is head going? On this episode of Where's Head Going, I'm going to talk about another podcast I listen to. This one's done by a buddy of mine. Uh, He's on my G.I. Joe Real American Headcast. His name is uh, Adam Worth. Him and a couple of his friends, Robert and Sean. Uh, Basically, it's an advice show, as the title suggests. 
Also, as the title suggests, it's a bad advice show. What they do is they take questions from the internet, like Ask Yahoo and other places like that, and they try to answer them. But usually the questions they pick are some of the most stupid and asinine questions. So, of course, uh, Adam and his compatriots give stupid and asinine answers. Um, as they say, no one should really listen to their show. But being the oxymoron it is, everyone should listen. Well, okay, maybe not everyone. It's not really intended for the younger audiences. Uh, it's more of a mature show. So, and again, mature, when people use that word, it means it's got a lot of adult humor to it. So uh, definitely check out the Bad Advice podcast. Uh, they are on Facebook. If you look for uh, facebook.com slash the Bad Advice show, separated with hyphens. Uh, they just released episode five. Again, it's a great show. I thoroughly enjoy it. Uh, that's the Bad Advice Show podcast. Uh, but enough about the Bad Advice Show. Let's go ahead and move on to my next segment. Mail got mail. Again, still no email, uh, but we will go over to the uh, Facebook and add a few com- or likes on there. These are likes and shares. Uh, I've only got a few on there this time. Uh, we have an actual friend of mine from real life, Cameron Johnson, a friend of the show, Gene Hendricks, and another friend of the show, Shag Matthews. Over on the Twitter, <laughs> yeah, I said the Twitter, um, these are people that liked, commented, or whatever for the Headcast Network, since I don't have an actual show for that one, what I do here on my main show. Uh, so these are likes and re-likes and retweets and retwits and whatnot from Twitter. There's the Fire and Water Network, the JLI Podcast, which is a great show, Com- Coffee and Comics Blog, Waiting for Doom, The Hammer Strikes, Martin Gray, Mike Garvey, who is a part of the Waiting for Doom podcast I mentioned just a minute ago. Uh, He was also, uh, Mike was over on my Task Force X episode 21 talking about the Doom Patrol Suicide Squad special. Moving on, we also have Trucker Talk, Ed Moore, G.I. Joe, Real America Headcast. Yeah, that's a bit of a cheat. That's my show. But anyways, uh, the Silver and Gold podcast, Firestorm Fan, Hicks, uh, who's also with Martin Garvey over on the Waiting for Doom. Uh, Radio vs. the Martian, Nikki Marie, Atlas and Boots, and Brian Yardley. And that's it. Again, if you guys want, please send us an email to head at headspeaks.com. And I can read your email on the air. Uh, or you can visit us on Facebook. Just search for Headspeaks, and you can find us there. We're also over on Google+. Uh, Twitter under the Headcast Network. Uh, go ahead and take a look. You'll find us. Leave us a message. You go to our website at head.headspeaks.com and leave a message on this episode. Uh, but I guess that's going to do it for the day. I'm going to go ahead and take off uh, before I leave. The final song for the day. Uh, I think I'm going to play another one by Paul and Strong. I played a couple of their songs so far. Uh, this one here. Uh, I decided to play this one. Um, just trying to think. 
Uh, I live in Sanger, California, as I've mentioned previously. I took my wife to the doctor today for some, uh, she was having some migraines. And on the way back, we were in Clovis, California. As we're getting on the freeway, right next to the freeway entrance, there's a big area with five stones. And as I mentioned to my wife, you know, I'm curious what those stones are for. I've seen them for years. I've never known. And she just kind of looks at me and gives a little grin and says, that's where Jimmy Hoff is buried. Made me laugh. And also, on the way home, I had this song in my head from Paul and Storm. So I decided to share with you guys. It's called Other Places Jimmy Hoffa Isn't. Uh, so stay tuned after the credits for Other Places Jimmy Hoffa Isn't by Paul and Storm. I'm sorry, Paul and St- Strong. Uh, and we'll see you next month. Again, sorry, it's just a short episode. Uh, but you can join us next month for our 24th two-year anniversary special. That's right. Next month will be two years I've been doing this podcast, so join us then. Uh, meanwhile, before then, check out my other shows. Uh, next week we should have Task Force X. Uh, the following week is the Starman Manhunter Adventure Hour. And then the first week in June, we have the usual G.I. Joe, a real American headcast. And then you can join us back here next month for our two-year anniversary episode. Until then, we'll see you guys in the funny pages. And remember, Ed has spoken. Thank you for listening to another fantastic episode of Head Speaks. Hope you enjoyed it. If so, let me know. Drop me an email to head at headspeaks.com or visit our home at head.headspeaks.com. You can also visit and talk with me on Facebook and Google Plus, both under Head Speaks. You can also send an MP3 file with your thoughts and I can play that on the air. And you can also get more of me on my other podcasts. Be sure to listen to Task Force X where monthly I look at John Ostinger's Suicide Squad and Paul Kuppenberg's Checkmate comics from the 80s and early 90s. Also, over on G.I. Joe, a Real American Headcast, my podcasting friends Ryan Daly and Kyle Benning, along with myself, are looking at all of the G.I. Joe, a Real American Hero comics, and related titles from Marvel and IDW. All of my headcasts are available on iTunes and Stitcher, along with the respective blogs and my main page at headspeaks.com. All all comments, thoughts, and opinions expressed on Head Speaks are owned wholly by the speaker of said comments and do not express the opinions of Head Speaks, unless, of course, I'm the one making the comments. Head Speaks, Task Force X, and G.I. Joe, Real American Headcast are all part of the Headcast family. So join us next month for another wonderful episode of Head Speaks. Until then, I'll see you in the funny pages. Good night. Dear Bob and Tom, our latest song is inspired by the story last week of the FBI's failed search for long-missing labor union boss Jimmy Hoffa on Uh a horse farm in Milford Township, Michigan. 
a search that, as Tom angrily pointed out, cost taxpayers $250,000. Yeah. In order to help the FBI in their ongoing search and save on possible future expenditures, we have written the following song entitled Other Places. <laughs> Wait a second. Yes, it's called what? Sorry, this is hilarious. Just the title's making me laugh. Uh-huh. <clears throat> we have written the following song <laughs> entitled I'm having trouble getting it. Other Places Jimmy Hoffa Isn't. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's give it a listen. Okay. We don't know where Jimmy Hoffa is, just where he is not. He's not in a bathrobe in my basement, sleeping on a cot. He's not in a blue vest at the Walmart, saying hi and handing out the carts, but he just might be beneath the parking lot. We don't know where the labor leader lies, but he's not lying here. He's not at the top of the Eiffel Tower or under Britney Spears. He's not at the state fair kissing booth or buried deep inside the Louvre, because that's somebody else, or so we hear. <laughs> Couldn't say just where. Where he is, only where he isn't. He's not getting bitch slapped by Jack Bauer or breaking his brother out of prison. He's not one of the Wiggles or jumping around on Oprah Winfrey. And he's not the backup point guard for the Pistons. <laughs> Donde esta Senor Hoffa? El no esta aquí. He's not in Louisiana with a banjo on his knee. He's not a roadie for the Dixie Chicks. He's not playing lead guitar for Sticks because that's time. Tommy Shaw, who kicks ass when he does Renegade. Yeah. I couldn't play those licks, we guarantee. <laughs> oh, mama, I'm in love with my life.